0: big issue which involves all of us as society and uh, we'd like to talk to you and him about it. How best can transparency be achieved over tertiary fee hikes? A very good afternoon to you Minister and thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us.
1: Good afternoon, so so and to and listeners. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: I, I mean, one would have the impression that the situation has just exploded, but it's been a long-running, long simmering issue at higher learning institutions—that of uh, tertiary fee hikes and even the manner in which it, it comes about. Uh, what I keep seeing repeatedly is above-inflation hikes. How does this come about, Minister?
1: So generally, what one would say firstly is that as a department, we are very sympathetic to the plight of the students, especially poor students, because university education in our country, just like as in many other countries, is very expensive. And for that reason, that is why we have got the National Student Financial Aid Scheme that also has increased dramatically over the last five years from $3 billion to $9.5 billion, because we're trying to ensure that poor students are not excluded. Now, we have continued as government to be committed to expand this until we are able to cover every poor student. But unfortunately, the, the, the fiscal situation does not allow us to be able to, to implement that at this point in time. And that is the reason why then the issue continues to persist. But that must not detract from the fact that government has actually been supporting quite a lot of students as part of its commitment to deal with this. The issue of fees is a matter that we had already, by the way, discussed with the Vice-Chancellor some four or five months ago. Because I was raising this issue that uh, we we increased Nesfas, but it seems to be gobbled up by the huge increases in fees. And we had agreed that we are going to have a discussion on the cost drivers in higher education so that we are able to understand properly what is it that is leading to the cost drivers, even if higher education is expensive. But why, for instance, would a university increase fees by double the inflation rate? So we had committed ourselves that we are going to discuss that. We did discuss the matter to a certain extent at the summit over last week, Thursday to Saturday, And then agreed that when they then go back to their institutions, everybody agreed that there is going to be discussions about this matter. And I even made a call that university management must be sensitive to the plight of the students, especially the poor students, in actually deciding and finalizing on fee increases.
0: Hmm. But, Minister, I'm sure you yourself would agree. I mean, we, you've just uh, spoken about NESFAS and how it's come on board to rescue and increase opportunities for many deserving students, but... Um I'm sure you would also agree that even for reputable universities, that must mean that funding must go beyond operational costs in salaries and maintenance uh, and all other facilities. How best do you ensure that you balance it? I mean, against, I believe, line items of GDP, uh, the funding that uh, government gives to universities is not enough.
1: So So that is why we need a very sober discussion as a country all of us with regards to the funding of higher education because you're absolutely right that we have, well, there's money that we give to universities for their running this year 21 billion you know for the core and then we've got another 9 billion that's a mix of NESFAS and earmarked programs that we want them to do the fact of the matter is that I think around 2012, the now deputy president, that was before he was deputy president, Mr. Cyril Ramaphosa, I requested him to lead a task team to actually review the funding formula. And one conclusion they came to is that much as in monetary terms, government subsidy has been increasing, but in real terms it has been decreasing, the subsidy to the university. And therefore you get this vicious cycle that because the subsidy is decreasing, then the most immediate thing that the universities target is NERSFAS and student fees in general in order to be able to run uh, the, the, themselves. So that is why we have agreed that we need to look at this matter comprehensively you know, and say what is actually the shortfall? We've got indicators of that as a department. What is the actual shortfall if at least we were to reach a particular level of funding of, of higher education? For instance, we find higher education in South Africa as 0.72% uh, percent of GDP. That's lower even than the continental average. So we need to look into all those things. Whilst we need you know, urgent interventions, as I'm meeting with the vice-chancellors and other stakeholders, by the way, it's not only the vice-chancellors, it's also the council chairpersons, it's worker representatives and student representatives, that whilst we deal with the immediate issue of, for 2016, we also then are embarking on a process to actually look at the entire funding.
0: Hmm. I mean, there was a time, Minister, and even most recently, there's this discussion which you've spoken about uniform, uh, bringing about uniformity in determining um, whether it's tuition fees or even their increases. But there are those who said the universities are not the same, therefore their pressures are not the same. How possible is that going to be? But secondly, let's talk about mindset change. It's one thing to expect the state to fund it. What discussion are you having with the private sector to you know to help fund higher
1: education that is the discussion that nesfas in fact we've we've asked nesfas for a couple of years now to engage the private sector but the responses we've been getting and the energy also i must admit on the side of nesfas has not been what we've been expecting one of the reasons why we've appointed mr masana to head this nesfas Apart from the fact that he has got an experience of running a financial institution because NESFAS it is, but we also hope that he will create a bridge between NESFAS and and the business community to be able to to actually make a contribution. That is very, very important to us. What was your first question?
0: My first question is the whole issue of uniformity, of determining. yes. Yes.
1: No, there is nowhere in the world where you, have to go, you get two universities charging the same amount of money. Even among the poorer universities in our country. Because part of the reasons for that is that these universities are not the same in terms of what they teach and how much does that cost. For instance, you'll find universities that have got more science programs, engineering and so on, they tend to be more expensive because they require machinery, they require microscopes and and, and and all that, as opposed to some of our universities, for instance, that have got 50 to 60 percent uh, general teaching, you know, production of teachers and so on. But having said that, we are not at all justifying that some universities must just have these huge increases willy-nilly. That is why one of the things that the summit agreed upon was the recommendation made by the ANC NGC that we need to look into setting up a regulatory mechanism on fees so that we are able to contain this rampant increase. But we can't look at that alone, as I've said. We also have to look at the funding of the mainstream activities of universities.
0: Okay. Minister, you use the term rampant increase. Does that mean uh, to your mind you believe also that it's unreasonable to some extent to raise fees by 10% within one, uh, one uh, year? And also, let's talk about transparency. Uh, people want to understand how you determine the fee increases as a department, but also from university to university.
1: Absolutely, it's a piece. That's what we had agreed upon with the Vice-Chancellor, that we do need transparency. You know, myself, I was asking, tell me, really, what are the things? Some of the things they explained, for instance, is that sometimes these things are determined by, you know, the Rand-Dollar exchange. Because some of the things, well, many of the things, actually, from our South African University, even books, we order them from overseas. But it's not only that. They also say that there are certain things that are up beyond their control. For instance, your your municipal charges, electricity, and so on, all those things are not with, inside their own control. So they, they, they've got to actually factor that. But I'd raise these things, you know, and say, but it doesn't make sense that one university raises fees at 8% and the other one raises fees with 10 12%, you know. Mm-hmm. What is the rationale? If we were to establish then a regulatory mechanism, which is what now we are going to be exploring, it will also have to include transparency so that everybody is satisfied as to why money has got to be raised up to this level.
0: now minister in terms of the funding framework um i know there was a talk, there was talk at some point of a block grant the provision for a block grant which would include the weighting of certain csm categories and levels of study uh, postgraduate studies etc and including incentives has that happened has that been implemented
1: yes you know the 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 the, the, the ramaphosa uh, committee if i can call it that has actually done all that. What we are doing now is actually modeling slightly different different scenarios because we have to do that. Because the, fa- the recommendation must say you must do this, but there are two ways of doing it. So we are modeling that, and then I am expecting a report very soon to actually say this is how we can restructure the funding formula to even cater for things that must drive transformation forward. For example, okay, so some of the things that were recommended in that report, I have already started doing them even before the funding formula scenarios are finalized so that then we can engage publicly and cabinet to take a decision. For instance, I have already increased hugely the funding to historically disadvantaged universities.
0: I want to. They
1: are, they I, I, are I, getting a lot more money, including additional funds that we give them to improve quality and other things in those institutions
0: mm. on just that aspect minister i mean uh, during the same discussions the the concept of a redress fund for historically disadvantaged institutions was abandoned because it was seen as unaffordable are you perhaps thinking of revisiting that
1: issue i'm back on it it's not even revisiting the piece. So, you know of the of the of the money that was put aside for for student accommodation, more than 60% of it is going to historically disadvantaged. There are only eight, by the way, out of the 26 universities. So you can see that's quite substantial. Also, over the next five years, I've set aside two billion rand. that these universities must decide for themselves what they want to do with it as part of redress, as part of building their capacity, and they will apply to us, but they will have to tell us what they want to do. Of course, we have to be satisfied that that is correct. But you could regard it. We are not calling it the redress fund, but we are actually calling the a special HDI grant fund. But it's actually doing the same thing because we are concerned that we cannot continue to have some of our universities operating sometimes at less than optimal level because of the backlogs that they have.
0: Minister, thank you very much uh, for taking the time to speak to us. Uh, That's the Higher Learning and Education Minister, Dr. Blade Nzimande. We were hoping that we'd get some calls from you, but perhaps maybe you're listening in to hear the responses of the minister. We will be.